Welcome to Is My Board Ready Yet? My name is Jason Andre, and I'll be taking you into the sheds of local and legendary surfboard shapers from around the world. We'll be talking foam, fins, and folklore, so put on your dust mask, and please stop asking. Hey, is my uh, board ready yet? Life, we bring truth and sorrow. Heart is strong. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me for another episode of Is My Board Ready Yet? We're changing things up a little bit in this episode. Instead of interviewing a backyard surfboard shaper, we are interviewing a backyard fin shaper. And his name is Corey Nolan with Hydrophile Surfcraft. Corey has actually shaped a couple of award-winning surfboards. So, However, his new full-time job, new-ish full-time job, is making fins. He's making single fins, twin fins, thrusters, quads, you name it. And he's got some really cool design techniques. What intrigued me about this is that I'm obsessed with fins and feel that they are just as important as the board that you're putting them in. So talking to a fin shaper was really fun, and we got to explore some different options and different things that uh, make different fins stand out, stand apart. And it's just cool to see somebody other than a massive fin company producing a lot of kind of unique designs. I mean, nothing's totally new under the sun, but some of the stuff he's doing is really unique, and it's cool to see a small boutique craft artist, backyard shaper, essentially, making fins. So, without further ado, Corey Nolan, Hydrophile Surfcraft. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to another episode of Is My Board Ready Yet? I have a special guest here today who is not exactly a surfboard shaper, per se. Hey. Hey. <laughs> But uh, maybe that's because I don't know him so well. <laughs> um, Aspiring. Aspiring. <laughs> if you go on his Instagram, you will see some beautiful fins laid out in all different designs and colors. And that is why I originally wanted to bring him on here, uh, our mutual friend, uh, Logan, with Nebula Surf posted something about your fins, I believe. That's right. I jumped on and checked out some of your stuff. And, you know, for me, fins are just as important an aspect of design as the board itself. So I wanted to bring on Corey Nolan from Hydrophile Surfcraft to talk a little bit about his fins and his boards, apparently. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, so tell me about, uh, where you're at and what you do for a living. Um, I live in Hampton Falls, New Hampshire, which is, uh, uh, somewhere along the, the lengthy 17 miles of seacoast New Hampshire has. Um, and, uh, and as of recently, my full-time job is making fins. Uh, that's as of the last month and a half or two. Wow. So this is very recent. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the hobby in itself, uh, making fins has been about a three year pursuit, but it's, you know, slowly overtaken my, all of my spare time, all of my weekend time, uh, to the point where now I feel like I'm ready to, to dive in. Very cool. What were you doing beforehand? 
I was a graphic designer at a sign shop for seven years and that was my, my schooling and had various other gigs before that. Right on. But you got busy enough with the fins that you were able to leave that and do this full time. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, man. Congratulations. That's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah. That's super cool. What inspired you to start making your own fins? Um, so the origin of my fin making actually sparks from the, the scrap piles of uh, another mega hobby I had, which was making snowboards, which is still on the back burner for now. But um, uh, a few years ago, I was um, really had my head down and was making snowboards out of bamboo and basalt fiber instead of regular fiberglass, which is kind of like a snowboard industry standard. Cool. Um, I had a bunch of leftovers and uh, my brother-in-law and I, uh, kind of mutually found surfing together and started taking it more seriously. I decided to make him a fin for Christmas. And, um, when was that? Uh, 2015, 2016. Okay. So yeah, five years ago or so. Um, what did that fin look like? It was basically a little L flex. Um, I think it was eight and a half inches. It was bamboo with a few layers of basalt fiber and um, I glassed it shut with some, some orange tint. I think there's a post about it on my Instagram, um, my hydrophile Instagram page. Okay, um, cool. But yeah, that was my first few fins were all sort of bamboo based and I was trying to use that. And um, yeah, it gets pretty technical trying to fit lumber into the, the, the single fin box and, and keep structural integrity. Mm. Um, so that sort of construction I still do, but the, the end result is, has a much different look and it's a much better product. Right on. What, and so are you using fiberglass at all or is it all basalt fiber? I am definitely using fiberglass now for fins. Um, I'm sticking with Volan, uh, glass for the most part, unless somebody else requests it, or I, I need to use a different glass for another reason. And, um, uh, I use entropy epoxy resin instead of a poly resin. So you get kind of a different flex pattern out of the fins than you would with a poly fin. Um, some of them are a little softer and, um, but the, the, the elast- elasticity and the flex is, uh, is really lively. Cool. And you like that in your fins? Yes, absolutely. And using that epoxy resin allows me to do it at my house without my wife killing me over the, uh, poly, um, <laughs> <laughs> the fumes. fumes. <laughs> yeah. Hey honey, why are the kids yeah. all wearing uh, respirators? <laughs> well, I had to go poly for this. Better one. safe than sorry. <laughs> that's cool. And but tell me more about the basalt fiber. That's interesting. Sure. I've never heard of anybody using it before. What are the yeah. differences, and kind of how do you get it? Um, so it's kind of it's a it's a it's another fiber material. I I have used it to make uh, a fin panel before, um, and. I mean, I've used it. I used it in my other, my older uh, wood composite fins, but I, I made recently made a fully basalt fiber fin panel to see how stiff it was. It's somewhere in between fiberglass and carbon fiber as far as stiffness rating goes. Oh wow! But it's it's a little bit more of a damp uh, flex, so it's it's uh, kind of shock absorbing and um, yeah. But you you can you can get it through uh, through various uh, distributors, mostly industrial distributors. I get mine through a guy called uh, that goes by basalt guru on <laughs> online and he has uh he has all sorts of cool stuff um but even companies like uh there's a great fiber company in australia called colin colin 
I think it is. I don't remember, but they have all sorts of like basalt and glass weaves and basalt and flax weaves that they're coming out with. So oh, wow. there's definitely a sort of a movement to stray from um, regular glass, which, you know, regular glass isn't really a terrible material. It just requires a lot more heat and energy to produce than um, basalt fiber. Basalt fiber is like a, it's a volcanic rock essentially. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering if that was so, yeah. the same exact thing. Exactly. It just, uh, it takes a lot less heat to extrude it. Um, and you you end up with a, with something that's not quite as brittle as carbon fiber and not quite as soft as fiberglass. So it's a nice middle ground, um, in many ways. Okay. So the, so the decision to use that stuff was kind of eco-based is what I'm hearing. When I first was using it in snowboards, it was absolutely eco-based. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, now it's just a viable source of, you know, option for, um, fiber choice cool and how did you come to hear about it just through uh i mean all of these pursuits for me have have come from like a feverish deep dive on instagram and blogs and things like that trying to find alternatives and people doing similar things um i I really wanted to make a snowboard that kind of uh uh, shook the norm of what a snowboard construction was Mm. um and I still, I still am trying to, to do that. I'm, I'm sort of taking uh, concepts from the past and materials from the future and trying to find a common ground. Very cool. Yeah, I went on your Instagram and it, it, they kind of look like they kind of look like the old school snowboards, but they also kind of look like Elias. Yeah, um, I uh, am. Uh, I really want to bridge a gap between snowboarding and surfing i really like to focus on carving and turning um when i'm snowboarding i'm not in the park very much mountain i ride doesn't really have a park anyway um so i I really started focusing on boards that turned well and were versatile um i also was working on some boards that don't have a typical plastic base and metal edge Mm. Um, and I wrapped them in fiberglass and included like a cut lap and pin line and stuff to really try to bridge that gap between surf and snow even closer. Wow, man. And do they hold up as well? Not as well. It's definitely a, um, a work in progress. I need to f- mess around with some fiber options. Yeah, I, I even talked to Logan about it a while ago. He suggested some Inegra fabrics and stuff like that to try to increase the the strength of the the bottom of the board when ice can be really damaging to uh, a wood and glass edge. Yeah. Bad. I could just imagine <laughs> shredding it. Yeah. It, but I have, you know, they, they hold up pretty well and um, it, it, there's definitely something there. It just needs to be, you know, it just needs to be sussed out really. That's cool. I'm fascinated by the snowboard aspect. What definitely, what drove you to try to create something alternative in the snowboard industry? Um, so up here, there's a gentleman uh, that uh, uh, has a brand called Powder Jet Snowboards, and I became obsessed with how he was doing it in like the dining room of his old farmhouse. And he had this in, uh, this uh, pneumatic snowboard press in his gr- in his house that he was using to press these boards out of poplar and fiberglass. Um, wow. So, and he was offering classes and still does offer classes where you can go and shape your own. And I just like, I saw that there was so many, there's actually a lot of people online um, who do make their own snowboards um, 
and I, I found a group on Facebook called Snowboard Builders and that page, that group in general is insane once you start getting in there and seeing all the stuff people are doing just on their own. So quite, quite the rabbit hole, it sounds like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Getting back to the fins, um, I'm looking at a lot of the different stuff you're doing and you're, you're making them, I mean, you're making everything from glass-ons to FCS to longboard, single fins, future. Are you custom making all of your fins for people or are you just, do you have like some models that you're popping out? How do you decide to make one or the other? Um, yeah, the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a few models that are super popular. I have a flex fin called a Crypt Key that's a really swept and narrow shape that works great in like a an egg or a, a displacement hull, something with nice down rails or V out the back. It's um, it's a super versatile flex fin. It kind of you use it. Um, use a longer one than you would normally for the board that you're on. And, um, that one, I can't, I, I don't really have any fin stock right now, but as far as orders on my list right now, that's the one that's most requested. Um, and then I take orders from shapers and shops, uh, to make custom layups and fins and shapes for whatever they might be looking for. Interesting. So how many fins are you making a week? Like how busy are you? My goal right now is 12 to 20 a week, but I'm right now I'm in the middle of rebuilding my shop to separate my glassing area from my sanding area much more cleanly um, so that I can have multiple burners going at once. Burners? Well, you know, just like cooking. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) Cooking reference there. Yeah. um, (laughs) Yeah. I just, need to kind of streamline my process and um my goal is to hit 12 to 20 fins a week and it sometimes i have wholesale orders that are that are over that so it's right now i you know i have about a four to six week wait period wow are you and you're just doing it by yourself you don't have any help not yet no wow i don't know if i want employees i know i didn't want a boss but i don't know if i want to be one (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like the like the antithesis of what i want but if uh if i need it and somebody can help me and i i know i wouldn't be a jerk (laughs) (laughs) that's a good that's a good ad we'll hire not a jerk not a jerk (laughs) (laughs) just consider yourself a mentor maybe maybe (laughs) so when you say 10 to 12 fins are you talking about individual fins or fin sets or what uh yeah i mean you know if you're talking like an fcs fin set is probably equal work to making a, a one single fin. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, it's all, it's all dependent. Like futures, futures fins from a garage builder's standpoint, um, you have to put a little angle in the, between the base and the body of the fin, mm. um, and to, you know, at various measurements of degree. And so I, I lay those all up individually. So those take a little bit more time, but, I haven't had really a wholesale order on angled futures fins yet to worry about. So we'll get there. Oh man, I might have to put one in just to. Sure. <laughs> yeah, one offs are easy. I do. I got like probably three or four of those in, in weight right now. Cool. The uh, fins that I saw you, um, I think, send to Logan mm-hmm. were these cool purple ones with like a really long tapered base, but then kind of a more. Um, I don't know, for lack of a better word, dolphin fin kind of pointy sure. top. Like they look like a standard fin until you get to the very bottom. And then there's like this, this kick 
out yeah. the back. What's the, uh, have you tested these? What's uh, so special about these things? I, I, that might be a better question for Logan. He, I mean, he has been using templates like this and had a few other people make him some wood glass ons and, uh, and stuff like that. Uh, but it, it's a, it's modeled after a single fin, I guess that he originally uh, had somebody pared down to, to become a keel. But um, oh. you have a nice elongated base and a uh, tapering tip with a lot of springy flex in it. Um, so it's, it's sort of a hybrid between a twin and a, and a keel. Um, the surface area is a little bit smaller. Should be a nice, quick, and maneuverable fin for the waves he deals with down there a lot. Yeah, what kind of board would you put him in? He he made he modeled them specifically for his fish model. Um, I think, oh, okay. Oh, I forget what it SRF or something like that. I might be butchering what it's called, but yeah, it's a <laughs> it's 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 supposed to be used in a in a fish or a twin fin for sure. Tell me a little bit about your surfing background. I know you have shaped a few boards um, and a couple of them specifically. I believe won some awards. Yeah, um, but we'll save that little uh tasty bit for later <laughs> what <laughs> how long have you been surfing and what got you into shaping so i started surfing in college which was around 2006 uh or so my uncle um used to live out in san diego and he had a eaten bonzer shaped for him that he brought back out east and Eventually, I just sat in the sun behind my grandmother's house for, uh, you know, 10, 15 years, uh, at which point he decided to just give it to me. So that was my first board um, that I learned to surf on. It was a rather narrow uh, 7.6 Bonzer, probably not the best beginner board, but I pursued it still. And um, I, I surfed that for probably eight or nine years before um, we, my family moved to the seacoast to where we are now. And uh, I became, I started surfing on a weekly basis. And um, for my birthday one year, my wife uh, decided I should you know, get a new board basically. And we, uh, I found a local shaper named Jacques Berriou, uh, who has uh, a brand called Sea Love Surfboards. He was up here in Maine, um, and now he's in Rhode Island, still close by, making some beautiful displacement hauls, and he does a great fish and stuff. Um, but I got a 7.6 single fin from him um, with a little bit more volume and a nice wide nose that really kind of amplified, it, amplified my, my uh, surfing experience. Um, and it's still, I still have it. I'll never get rid of that board. It's just, it's magic to me. And it represents a turning point in my mind when I realized that there was a, a, a massive scene of, of shapers and craftsmen in our area and online. Um, it just was an art form that I didn't even see. And it was right under my nose. Mm. Um, so that really was the spark of you know, my, my interest and obsession with, with surf craft. Very cool. Where were you living before you lived on the coast? I lived in a town called Danville, which is about 40 minutes from the coast. And now, now I'm you know, 10 minutes. I'm, I'm technically on the sea coast, but I'm on a tidal river. <laughs> nice. So you had to make quite the trek to get to the water 
Yeah. For a number of years. Yeah. Yeah. It was like maybe once a month or so in the summertime, but then it became an obsession. Oh, wow. Yeah. So for the first, how how many years? Eight or nine years. I, yeah, I wasn't, I I just was kind of doing it for fun. (laughs) Weekend warrior. Exactly. And then you went from making boards to making fins. uh, And how many boards did you make? over the course of like, once you once you discovered shaping and the art form of shaping and surf craft, how many, uh, how many boards have you made since then? Well, I started making fins before I ever made a, a full surfboard. Oh, cool. So yeah, I've, I've made three surf surfboards. At, That's it. <laughs> as of now. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, re- I've not really like only until this past couple months, I haven't even touched uh, an actual blank my first two surfboards were made out of trash for Visla's upcycle contest. Yeah, so let's talk about that, man. The first one was uh, made out of styrofoam cups, right? Yeah, yeah, seven hundred Dunkin' Donuts cups. Holy yeah. cow! Yeah, <laughs> dude, that's insane. And you made what looks like a little uh, mini Simmons, right? I did. Yeah, I wanted. I picked that shape for the uh, packed-in volume, and because it kind of looked like a cup. <laughs> And yeah, I used some of my knowledge from making snowboards to create a mold press to press and heat epoxy and foam cups together layer by layer to build a blank out of the foam cups. What? Yeah. And, <laughs> and then I shaped it with a planer like you would normally shape a board. No way. So, so that board, how many layers of cups and f- like we're using fiberglass were you just mixing it with resin like how did you how did you do that um i had so i built each half of the blank uh separately using a, like a 12 by 6 foot 12 inch by 6 foot mold uh that was had the rocker that i wanted built into it uh-huh um and i would have my wife or my mom even help me one time <laughs> uh <laughs> stand there with uh I had cut the cups, the vertical part of the cup into four um, segments, like kind of looked like a roofing tile. Uh-huh. And I, we hand brushed epoxy on each one, laid it into the mold. And I think, I think I did two or three layers at a time and put the top part of the mold on. Uh, and a, uh, there's a cool, um, a cool tool called a, a it's a heat blanket. It's basically a silicone blanket with um, wiring running through it that heat that heats with a, a a heating unit that goes into the snowboard press. So so that lays right across across all of the cups, separated with a piece of by with a piece of like drop plastic or something like that. Wow! Um, clamp it all together with clamps and let it cook for forty minutes. Take the whole thing apart and add more. And it was uh, twenty layers, I think, per side. I wanted to make sure I hit like three inch thickness. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, man. That sounds intense. <laughs> yeah. How long did it take f- to just make the blank? Um, two months. Oh my gosh. But it was, I was, you know, I had a full-time job. I had a young daughter. It was really kind of an evenings and weekends thing and mm. strained my marriage for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> but so has all of this. It's a crazy pursuit. And did you, get i mean did you just go to dunkin donuts and like raid their trash can 
uh, I didn't even have to. I, I basically put out a call on Instagram and said, I'm going to build a surfboard out of these cups. If anybody out there has them, can you save them? And people came with trash bags, basically. I, I specifically said, like, don't start going there to get cups <laughs> yeah, for yeah. this project. And, but, you know, they sell so much coffee and they don't use those cups anymore. Um, really? No, they, they use a double walled paper cup that's polypropylene lined, which is less recyclable technically yeah. than a foam cup, but they marketed it as a better option, huh. which is whack. Anyway, yeah, they, they, they sold 12. They, I could make a board every 12 seconds with the amount of cups that they sold worldwide. Wow. Yeah. That's intense, man. That's crazy. And then the fins looks like are they're made out of straws. Straws, yeah. That was easy. That was only like 50 straws, and straws are everywhere. Yeah, you just walk along the beach. and mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. That sucks. um you know i've got some friends here uh they have a nonprofit called plastic ocean project and they found another company out i want to say it was in like utah and they created a basically a distilling machine where they could take styrofoam because styrofoam traditionally is completely non-recyclable and they were able to distill it like heat it to certain temperatures and create the equivalent of two-stroke engine fuel. That makes sense. It's That's cool. Wild man, and like you'd have this like weird black crispy stuff left over. Yeah. But I watched them collect this fuel drip by drip, pour it into a chainsaw, and start the chainsaw. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's there's even there's even a somebody else out west that. Uh, found a particular type of mealworms that can eat and process it and turns, turns it into soil. So what? There are, yeah. Oh my God. There, That's if cool. there needs to be more, more interest in that sort of a thing, if we're going to keep using EPS and, and foam like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild, man. And then the other board you made, um, tell us about that one. Uh, this, so yeah, the Duncan board was one year that board took second in Vistula's contest. And then, uh, the following year, I really wanted to do everything I could to take it home. So I, I wanted to build like the ultimate new England board. And, um, I stumbled across, uh, lobster buoys on the beach during a beach cleanup mm. with Surfrider foundation. Um, and I, I brought them home and started looking online at you know what's what's up with lobster buoys yeah and, why are so many lobster buoys washing up um well i mean partly it's got to do with the you know storms in the northeast especially during hurricane season yeah um but it's really not when you think about or when you learn how many lobster buoys are out there it's not that many <laughs> as a percentage it's one percent of um i think two to three million in the water off of the coast of Maine at any given point, which is 20 to 30,000 lobster buoys that wash up a year. Wow. Or, or are lost. So basically the lines sever and the pots sink never to be found. Buoys wash up on shore and they're usually a closed cell foam. So I collected about 50 or 60 of them um, via, you know, looking after storms and asking people to, to, to look for them for me again. Um, 
and I built a soft top with a wooden hull uh, out of lobster buoys, and it works great. Oh, so you've ridden it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've ridden both of them. The lobster buoy one surfs better than the Duncan one, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think that is? What, what, uh, I mean, the, the Dunkin' Donuts one looks like it's pretty, uh, I think, I think in the right, in the right wave, it's definitely good. I've gotten some great rides on it. It just paddles bad, poorly. Um, it's 15 pounds because of all the epoxy used to hold it together. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a, it's sort of a hull entry. So it really kind it kind of drags when you paddle it and it's five, nine. Um, so it's got a lot of momentum to it though. So if you get it in a nice, like chest to head high wave, it, it gets you in there and it's pretty quick, but you know, most of the times I try to surf it. I, I don't like, I, if it's nice waves out there, I don't want to take a, <laughs> one of those out. A 15 um, pound coffee cup. Yeah. But I have, and, and yeah, my, uh, peop, some people ride it better than I do. That's for sure. But, uh, the, the buoy board is, is fantastic. I did that one seven Oh, and, um, it's, I modeled it after a Takeyama scorpion. So it's got a nice wide, nice wide nose, low rocker and a, a pintail out the back. It can be written as a quad or a single fin. Okay. So you put in a couple different fin choices, fin box choices. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's more of a quartet, like the Neil Purchase Jr. Quartet. So the, the, um, it's got a little trailer, but I made the fins look like lobster claws. <laughs> so it looks like a claw coming out of the bottom of the board. Oh, that's pretty clever. That's pretty <laughs> cool, man. Thanks. Yeah. So what's the future of Hydrophile Surfcraft? You've, you're, you're full-time now. You're making fins. You're cleaning up the shop, streamlining everything. <laughs> yep. What are you hoping to achieve? What are your, what are your goals for the next year? Um, for the next year, I, I just want to see where this takes me. Um, I'd like for it to just be a self-sustaining one-man operation. Um, uh, I'm, my background in graphic design has kind of allowed me to, to offer some proofing techniques for clients and stuff that will allow, allow me to show them what their fins are going to look like before I make them, um, which has been beneficial. But I, I'm also hoping to use that skill set to to have a a brand of of products, clothing, and and whatnot to sort of go alongside uh, my fins and maybe someday it will be more than just fins. I don't know. Um, but I have plenty of work for now to keep me busy. I hope. Yeah. It sounds like it. Yeah. That's great, man. Thanks. Have you had conversations with any other fin makers? Like, did you call up future and be like, Hey, what's, how many degrees do I need to make these? <laughs> or did you call FCS and ask for like a fin template to be able to like match their plugs? Have you had any kind of conversations like that? No. Um, mostly self-taught as far as, um, my procedures go. Mm. I've learned a lot from shapers asking me to, to make them particular profiles and stuff and their, and their reasons why telling me why, um, as far as futures fit and FCS fit and stuff like that go, I just had to teach myself how to make those work by trial and error. Was that pretty tough? Yeah. I, I, trying to come up with a consistent method, especially for even just a single fin box for base fitting is, um, is a good challenge and the rest kind of falls, falls in line. Once you, once you start figuring this stuff out and what, what sort of tools you need to cut through fiberglass and 
the best bandsaw blades and the, and the, you know, how, how to use template bits for a router, certain things like that. I, I've, I've totally involved myself with, in the process, um, learning via YouTube and Instagram and, and old sway locks, a lot of articles about fin craft and stuff like that. Uh, there's a lot of information out there. I, my, my perspective on it, uh, I understand the uh, coveting of, of information and procedures that a lot of shapers and fin makers have. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, my parents were both teachers. Um, so I, I have a very open source mentality when it comes to others asking me information about how I make my fins uh, and how they can make their own. Um, I feel like it's my responsibility as a craftsman to make something that people are going to want beyond the how of, of uh, what my procedure is. Mm. So I, I'm, I'm happy to share my information on how, how I make stuff with other fin makers and shapers and things like that. I just, I feel like an open source mentality when it comes to creating these things will help perpetuate a, a forward momentum in, in creativity and, and procedures. And I'm hope, hopefully someday somebody I give an insight on how to, how to lay up a fin panel will come back to me someday with a better idea that will help me uh, push my craft forward as well. Wow, man, that's a pretty, pretty amazing philosophy to take into, into the craft. That's really neat, man. I, I just, I, I get, I get, I get like the secrets and, and the, um, the honor of, of learning from somebody directly and somebody gifting you with the, uh, the concepts that they've, they took from somebody else. And, and that, and that sort of thing is very special, but I live in a place that's rather isolated from the surf industry. I don't have the luxury of, of multiple fin makers, manufacturers and small time people in my, that I can turn to. It's, it's, uh, it's all, it's all digital really. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating, man. So you didn't have any mentor per se, but you seem to have found a huge online presence of collaborators and people bouncing ideas off of each other. Like, but who, was there anybody you looked up to? Are there anybody, any certain shapers or fin designers that you've seen that you're like, that guy's doing some cool stuff. That's what I want to do. Um, I mean, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of big names in fin making, like, like true Ames and, uh, Larry Allison and, and, um, people like that. But, uh, there's uh, Jeff Beck, who's Nine Lights on Instagram, and um, Sunrise Boardworks. Brad over the, his his fins are incredible. Uh, just lots of cool processes and stuff. And and if you look closely enough as a as a maker, you can start to pick up on um, how they're doing <laughs> doing yeah. it, or try to come up with your own looking at it and saying, well, maybe I should try that. And, and it works out eventually, but. Um, and some of them are very kind and uh, and uh, willing to share. Yeah, who's who, let's do some shout outs. Who's been uh, open and helped and kind of helped guide you in this journey of fin making? Um, a lot of sh- like a lot of shapers have been super helpful. Uh, like Curtis Wooden uh, out in Carlsbad, he's been he's been super helpful. Uh, my my buddy Tim Jump down in South Carolina, he's been helpful in many ways. I wouldn't have been able to even like finish or glass that, that Dunkin' Donuts board back then without, without 
jo- people like Johnny Borboni willing to take on a phone, an annoying phone call from me asking about like how to do certain things. Yeah. How many phone calls did it actually take? Was it just one? <laughs> I don't know. Probably six or seven. I, you know, like, I'd be like, why is there, why is there a hole just soaking up resin on this thing? And he's like, I don't know, man, I've never made a board out of cups. <laughs> It's just like a vacuum sucking resin in on the deck of this. Thing. Oh, wow. um, yeah. Instagram in general is a love hate relationship. It sucks up so much time and it like consumes people's yeah. <laughs> consumes people's days. And it's, but without, without it, without that sort of collaborative platform, I wouldn't have stumbled upon or, or involved myself in this. Yeah. Where do you do most of your testing? What's your local break? Like what are your, what are your favorite fins that you are using? Um, so I, I have a, uh, an H flex fin, which is a long swept back Takayama style longboard fin that is, uh, goes with my, uh, Curtis wooden log. And that's my go-to board really around here. Um, our few, our great days are few and far between. So on like smaller days, I'm out on that. And then, um, and then I have, uh, my, my favorite board right now is, a um, a seven two uh, little GP that I bought from my buddy Chris down in Rhode Island, um, and that's a displacement hall that I, I take out on our points and stuff up here with a with a Crip key fin in it. Um, that's my flex fin that I was talking about earlier, mm. um, and then I have some other experimental shapes flex fins that I've been riding in that thing too that are uh, kind of a hybrid between a cutaway and a flex fin. Cool um, to to be to be tested further (laughs) (laughs) for not having much coast though. You guys, I do believe have some pretty world-class point breaks kind of scattered about when the thing, when everything turns Uh, on there. Yeah. They're not so secretive anymore, but they definitely are great. Um, uh, many of them are right along route one, a that runs along the coast. So there there's, it's tough for them to remain secret, but, um, yeah, between here and Maine, I, I usually am surfing somewhere in New Hampshire, but probably uh, find me in, in Maine almost just as often, just because there's some great breaks in southern Maine. Yeah, how far off? Uh, how far from the border are you? Twenty minutes. Oh, nice. Yeah, but uh, I would imagine the water temperature this time of year also thins the herd out a little bit. <laughs> it does, but wetsuits are so cheap and so good now that it's getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> What's worse for you? Because I've I've on a good day here when a hurricane's spinning up, I'll go to the local island that you have to take a boat to get to or paddle across the inlet and there's easily 300 people. Is it that bad? Oh, wow. No, I'm, I mean, but some of the points have one takeoff point here. So, and, and it's, and it's not much more than a, you know, a 12 second ride if you're lucky. So there can be sometimes 50 or so people. And then, then at some of the, um, yeah, the very popular spots like, uh, like the wall, um, you look on the cameras on like Surfline or something, you can count 200 heads in the water. Oh, that's wow. just, that's just a beach break. Like, uh, so people can be spread out, but they do put up flags in the summer restricting you to where you can surf. Gotcha. How many of those 200 people are, uh, riding your fins? <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> uh, maybe one, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they've, they've been spread out quite a bit, but I, I number all of my, um, my single fins. I try to keep track of them as best I can. And the last ones I numbered were three twenty in the three twenties. Right on. So you've made over 300 single fins. 
yeah, I, I never counted the, um, I never counted like twin sets or, or quad sets or anything. I, my heart has always been in single fins. So I just, I kept that tradition going, not nothing against, uh, the other types of fins or anything like that. It's just where my, it's just where my heart is. And I, I, it was something I started doing and I just decided to keep it going. Uh, the poor, the poor bastard children of the twin oh, fins. I, I hate making these. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> There's a couple fins here. I'm looking at that. Uh, are you just using regular plywood as well? Oh yeah. Um, well, marine plywood, birch plywood, um, okay. glass ons. Uh, yeah. I've made a few of those too. Sorry, I'm just I'm I'm literally scrolling through your Instagram, sure. looking looking at all the pretty colors. <laughs> I see here too. You've made a couple of the little uh, C5 drop-in uh, single FCS plug fins. Were those for anything specific? I've made some little 2.5 inch ones that work great in displacement hulls, and then uh, recently, uh, Mr. Lovelace asked me to make a few for. Uh, to pair with his FM model, which is a new model that he's been pushing hard. Oh. So I made a, a good handful of those. They look like a little mini Bonzer um, runner. I made some of those for him and for uh, Glide. Right on, man. That's, that's there's some yeah. there's some big names drop in there. Yes, I, I hate to name drop, but <laughs> no, nah, man, toot, toot your like, own horn. It's good. You know, he's you know he's a he's a great inspiration to people who like to make things differently. Yeah. Without a yeah, doubt. that's really cool, man. Thanks. So we'll we can look forward to seeing some of those pop up on uh, some of his boards, eh? Yeah, absolutely. That's rad. Any other big shapers reaching out to you? Any any? Other, I know you just said you don't want to name drop, but <laughs> <laughs> like who who else has kind of reached out that you're super stoked on? My buddy Curtis Wooden, his he's blowing up big, and he makes a killer longboard and uh, mid length and he's got some big things in the works, but he's been a huge, a huge help for me as far as, uh, making, making single fins for him. And, um, is he local to New Hampshire area? No, uh, he's in Carlsbad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's great, but Lovelace, uh, was a big one. Uh, I made a good set of fins for, um, Alex at Bodega Border Crew that supplements his, his podcast. Okay the Bodega Border Crew podcast and um, people like Tim Jump at Sakula Surfboards in South Carolina. He's been, he's been a recurring shaper that's asked me to make him fins several times. Um, I make a lot of fins for a fin brand out of Florida called Cinema Fins. Uh, they make a lot of longboard. They have a lot of longboard templates and stuff. And uh, I've made a lot of fins for them too. Right on. Are you planning on uh, entering next year's Visla Surfrider contest. Do you have any uh, big ideas coming down the pipeline? I hope so. It's t- it's so hard. There's so so many great things have been done. Um, so many obvious things. Uh, like it's tough to top the cigarette surfboard, and uh, the, the dude Taylor Lane that put that together has blown that up into a massive campaign. Yeah. Um, to bring attention to the detriment of cigarettes for our oceans and stuff. And, and he's like, he, he quit his job just to pursue having boards made with cigarette decks and stuff like that. And they're, they're awesome. It's a great motive. Um, but I, I, there, this, I'm trying, trying to come up with an idea better than that. It's super hard. I think it was, it was clever to go the local route. That's, you know, yeah. <laughs> Duncan, like Duncan was the, the initial, initial, local inspiration um and then 
you know, lobster. Lobster is very ubiquitous, ubiquitous with New England. So yeah, but I think you're just gonna have to take another walk on the beach and see what uh see what you trip on. Yeah, I need I need some inspiration, <laughs> I guess. Right on, man. Well, uh, do you have any final thoughts or uh, words or anything else you'd like to share? Just thank you, thank you for having me. I'm I'm really excited for what the future brings, and uh, I'm I'm not giving up. So that's it. <laughs> right on. Do you think you're going to uh, start making any foils anytime soon? Have you thought about that? Oh my gosh, I don't know. <laughs> that seems like a really something that really benefits from a CNC machine. Try to make something really balanced and well foiled. I, I so you've thought about it, obviously. Yeah, I've never ridden one though, so I I have no clue what to even yeah where to even start. That's a good first step, probably. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> I'll try it. And speaking of foils, I haven't physically held any of your fins in my hands, but have you tried doing any kind of foiling with the fins? Uh, you know, like the inside curve as well as the outside curve, or are they all flat? Oh, uh, I mean, you know, single fins are are double sided, and and some of the some of you know, twin sets and stuff like that for primarily you're going to have a flat foil on the inside. I've done some inverted foils, um, on little mini side bites and the uh, twin set I have for, um, my, my Simmons from flex from Sakula. I have a set of twins that have like an inverted foil on the inside face. It, it feels pretty good riding it. I, I, I'm partial to riding it with a single fin still, but <laughs> Yeah, it's there's, a, there's there's never ending exploration when it comes to shaping even fins. So, well, thanks a lot for joining us. It's really cool to see somebody with an eco conscious approach to even something as simple as fin making and experimenting with different materials and different designs. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I honestly I don't think that what I'm doing is the penultimate solution to to the issue. But I think that the brands that I'm working with and um, that uh, epoxy resin with a with a bio based content um, is a stepping stone at the very least, and the companies that produce that sort of stuff are going to be the ones that that do help us come up with a solution that is less or not detrimental to the environment. And I hope to help them find that path. Yeah, and it's cool to see too. It doesn't seem to have any negative impact on performance either. It's not as if the fins no, are falling no. apart more easily. Yeah, or- it, it's uh, it's a it's a different feel. You ride a you know, poly 4A or an epoxy 4A, you can feel a flex difference. Um, I mean, maybe not the average Joe, but especially when you have it in your hand, you can feel you can feel the difference. Very cool. Well, I'm going to have to uh, go hit up Logan and try to steal some of the <laughs> fins that he's got over there. Yeah, he's trying to put together another order. So anything you want, man. <laughs> What's the best way for people to contact you to get a hold of some of your fins uh instagram is is primary source of contact right now um it's just at hydrophile surfcraft or um email me at hydrophile surfcraft at gmail.com i'm working on getting a website up and going but you know baby steps for now cool and people can tell you what they want what colors they want materials things like that without a doubt awesome awesome I will definitely, definitely be speaking to you again in the near future. But until then, man, stay warm up there. What's the, what's the water temperature at the moment? Oh, it's warming up. I think it's probably high 40s today. Woo, that's, that, was our, <laughs> that was our low water temperature, uh, I think, about a week ago. 
Yeah, I don't. Uh, it's it, the early spring is tough. Uh, once the Gulf Stream starts pushing back in and the sun is on it more throughout the day, it starts warming up quite a bit. But yeah, it doesn't really get much above sixty. The water. Yeah. Ever. I, it, a couple of days during the summer, it's it's slow seventies. That's like the hottest day of the year. <laughs> yeah, but usually, you know, the wind is is. Uh, is either dead or something. So you're going from 98 degree heat into this water and it still feels icy, but yeah, it's, I, I love it. I love winter surfing and cold water surfing. It's, it's part of the experience. Yeah. It definitely separates the, uh, dedicated surfers from the, uh, <laughs> the summer beach goers. And yeah, definitely. But it's, it's worthwhile for sure. Right on, man. Well, I hope we uh, get to meet up someday. Might have to make a New England trip just to come up and test out a bunch of different fins. I, hey, I'd love to come down there too. So we'll, once all of this mess blows over, I'm hoping to see some new people and new places for sure. Do a little road trip, do a little demo. Yeah, yeah. That'd be rad, man. For sure. All right. Well, have a great day. <laughs> Good luck on getting your shop set up and ramping up production. And we will... Uh, Hopefully see you in the water. Right on. Thanks, man. All right. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Corey Nolan at Hydra File Surfcraft for joining us and spending some time with us today. You can find him on Instagram at Hydrophile Surfcraft where you can see all the cool colors and shapes and keel fins and twin fins and single fins and everything else that he's making over there. He's also got his new website up now, which is hydrophilesurfcraft.com. The music that you're hearing on this episode is from an old friend, Will Evans, who used to be the primary songwriter for a band called Barefoot Truth, and now he's a solo artist. You can find his music at willevans.com, as well as any other streaming platform. Will has passed through Wilmington a couple times and joined us on stage once or twice. Fellow didgeridoo player, as well as uh, playing the hung drum and playing guitar obviously this is one of his newer songs called lean in and i don't even know if it's been released yet but it will be shortly you can find more of his music on willevans.com and on instagram facebook and all that good stuff thanks again for joining me for is my board ready yet and hopefully we'll see you in the water listen to the youth they all know the truth they all know that life is here now Hey, is my uh, board ready yet?